everyone, and welcome to my new podcast, Durham a Tear, a podcast for the most unusual and peculiar topics. My name is Zoe Hayes, and today we'll be talking about post-mortem investigations. This means we'll be talking about the stages of death and dying, and what really happens in the morgue, as well as some famous autopsies. Viewer discretion is advised. Human decomposition begins around four minutes after a person dies and follows four stages. Autolysis, bloat, active decay, and skeletonization. Autolysis is the destruction of cells or tissues by their own enzymes, especially those released by lysosomes. Essentially, the body starts breaking down its own cells. Your internal organs decompose after about 24 to 72 hours after death. Bloating is characterized by when your cells release toxic gas caused by the process of your cells breaking themselves down, which in turn causes your body to fill with these gases. After about three to five days, your body begins to release these gases, which is what causes the body to initially smell. Active decay is characterized by the period of the greatest mass loss. Fluids released through orifices indicate the beginning of active decay. Organs, muscles, and skin become liquefied. When all of your body's soft tissue decomposes, hair, bones, cartilage, and other byproducts of decay remain. This usually occurs 8 to 10 days after death, or it may even take several weeks, depending on the conditions. With skeletonization, there is no set time frame of when it occurs, and the concept itself is self-explanatory. After all the soft tissue is decomposed, the skeleton is exposed. This usually indicates a body has been sitting for a while. Besides the stages of decomposition, there are other ways to determine how long a body has been dead. The body loses about 1.5 degrees Fahrenheit per hour, so the rectal temperature is subtracted from the normal body temperature of 98 degrees. The difference between the two is divided by 1.5, and that final number is used to approximate the time since death. And yes, you heard me correctly, rectal temperature. An accurate estimation of the time of death can lead to discovering the identity of the assailant. In criminal cases, it can eliminate some suspects while focusing attention on others. For example, a husband says that he left for a business meeting at 2 p.m. and returned at 8 p.m. to find his wife dead. He says he was home all morning and that she was alive and well when he left. If the medical examiner determines the time of death was between 10 a.m. and noon, the husband has a great deal of explaining to do. But who determines the cause of death? That question has a few answers. A medical examiner or a coroner is the only one who may legally determine the cause of death. Yet, a pathologist is the person who conducts the autopsy. An autopsy is a post-mortem, meaning after death, examination to discover the cause of death or the extent of disease. There are many steps to conducting an autopsy, so let's take a step into the morgue. An autopsy begins with a Y incision going into the removal of organs, stomach contents, sample collection, head and brain examination, and then the conclusion. A Y incision is used by the pathologist to open up the breastplate of the deceased and gain access to the body's major organs like the heart, lungs, liver, stomach, spleen, etc. This incision is so called because it resembles the shape of the letter Y and is cut from either shoulder to the lower end of the sternum and then downwards in a straight line over the abdomen. 
Removal of organs and stomach contents is self-explanatory, so let's get into sample collection. Autopsies are not performed on everyone. They are usually only performed when requested by the family or when the subject has an underlying disease. They are also occasionally performed when there is a thought to be foul play in the victim's death. Samples are collected of abnormalities in the human body and sent off to be tested. After being tested, it makes it easier for the coroner or medical examiner to determine the cause of death. Foul play would be determined by the detectives. If the detectives see an inconsistency in a story or suspect that a person was not killed in the way someone said they were, they can request an autopsy. An example of this is if an old woman was said to have died of natural causes, but leading up to her death was perfectly healthy. Her caregiver visited her at unusual times throughout the day leading up to then. After detectives requested an autopsy, it was determined that she had died of poisoning. So, if all this talk about autopsies freaks you out, don't be too scared. Unless there's been some foul play in your death. Next, we'll talk about some famous autopsies after the break. Let's talk about some famous autopsies. One of the most famous autopsies is the autopsy of the King of Pop, Michael Jackson, who was found not breathing in his bed on the afternoon of June 25th, 2009 by his personal physician, Conrad Murray. Jackson was working hard rehearsing for a series of comeback concerts in London. Murray was convicted of involuntary manslaughter in November 2011 for $150,000 a month to treat Jackson's insomnia. Murray gave the King of Pop a nightly drip of propofol, an unpredictable and potentially fatal anesthetic. However, that was not the only drug found in Jackson's system. Reports revealed that the pop legend was operating on a cocktail of midazolam, diazepam, lidocaine, and ephedrine at the time. These are drugs that have no place in an unmonitored setting or in unskilled hands. There was no indication from the autopsy that there was anything anatomically wrong with him that would lead to premature death. Another famous autopsy is that of Kobe Bryant. In the autopsy reports, it was confirmed that all passengers on the helicopter sustained immediate fatal injuries. The injuries were rapidly, if not instantly, fatal. The doctors had to identify the five-time NBA champion by his fingerprints. Although there was no foul play, the autopsy of the star had been long-awaited by fans across the world. There are tons of fun things to research about what happens after death. For example, the body farm outside of the University of Tennessee. And I guess you're wondering what a body farm is, but I guess you'll just have to look it up for yourself. As well as the autopsy of Jeffrey Epstein. If you made it to this part, I'm honestly very proud. I hope you enjoy what I had to share about postmortem investigation. There is so much more that goes into an investigation, but I don't have time to talk about it today. Sadly, I do not think that there will be another episode of Dermatare, so I'll tell you the meaning of my name right now. If you know the answer, congratulations! If you don't, the Dermatare is the outermost of the three layers of the membrane of the human brain. I thought the title matched the discussion I planned on having. Again, thank you for listening and have a killer day.